Hello, welcome to episode three of A Map to You, Life Stories from the Living podcast. I'm Laura Harling, Artistic Director of the Dot Collective and presenter of today's episode. Yes, now look, I know I promised you Vicky Gaskin this week, but she's put her price up as it's pancake day. Apparently, it's a new bank holiday. This week, we've been back with the Daffodil Club in Nunhead, which is part of the Southwark Alzheimer's Society and run by the fabulous Sheena and Anne. In the room for our workshops this week, we had Matthew Seeger, Jessica Alade, Shadia King and myself. And in the studio this week, we've been joined by the voices of Stuart Turner, Robert Hickson, Matthew Seeger, Jessica Alade and Kate Duchenne. There's been a lot of fun and games this week, which has all resulted in a lot of laughter. So I'm thrilled to share with you the stories that came out of the fun, the games and the laughter. As well as talking to the writers about the pieces... Coming up later, I'll be talking to actors Robert Hickson and Stuart Turner about their experiences of working with the Dot Collective. Our first piece today is written by Matthew Seeger. It's called Dominoes and Telephones and is performed by Matthew, Robert Hickson and Stuart Turner. Come on, your go. Is it? I just went. Yeah, and then I went, so now it's your go. Ah, right then. I was just trying to put my phone on and... So it won't make a noise when it rings. My daughter's going to pick me up soon. If it doesn't make a noise, you won't hear it when it rings. Vibrate. I want it to vibrate. In my pocket. Your go. Yes, my go. It doesn't matter, does it? You'll just win anyway. Yeah, I will. Your go. How did you get so good at dominoes? I played it at school. I was the best at school. Definitely. Do you know how to make my phone vibrate? No, I don't understand that. Your go. They're amazing, these phones. Fantastic what you can do with them, but very difficult, very complicated. You can really enjoy it when you understand it. Young man, maybe you can help me. I want my phone to vibrate. I'm not that young. Young-ish. Not as young as I used to be. <laughs> I wish I was your age. <laughs> Let me have a look. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's just on vibrate. Now, just just vibrate. And if I do this one? Uh, yes. It will go back here, but it won't turn off, yes? Uh, yeah, correct, yes. Thank you. <laughs> when I was a young man growing up, there was no mobile phones. None of our parents... Well, your parents might be quite young. My parents are 60, uh, mid-60s. Mid so they're young, considering I'm 87. No, you're not. I am? I would have said you would... 70, maybe. You look about 70. People keep saying that. You can keep saying that if you like. You must be doing something, right? Hmm. Hard work. Keeps you young. Yes, hard work and a bit of stress. Keeps you thinking, keeps you young. When I was growing up, we didn't have no mobile phones. If you were meeting somebody, you would have to agree where you were going to meet. Yes. Or you could use the uh, land phone. But we didn't always have one, a land phone, in our house when I was young. Sometimes you had to have a, a lot of money to be in a position to have one. Not many people had phones in their house, but after a while we did, when it was popular for everyone. I remember as a young boy, Christmas time, that was the only time we would get toys. But sometimes we, we didn't really have no toys, couldn't afford toys. Me and my brothers, we used to make up, you see, like a, a tin, a condensed milk tin... And we used two empty tins, right, and put two wires together and used to talk through it. 
like a phone, because we couldn't afford a phone. How far away could you be and still hear each other? Uh, maybe from here to where that big tree is. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your, your Christmas present? Yes, but we made it ourselves. What I notice nowadays is, I mean, I'm 31, and I didn't get a phone until I was 16 years old or something, and it was an old phone where all you could do was call someone or text someone. And now sometimes you've, you've got eight-year-olds, for example, who have phones that can do everything. Yes, and some of them know more than us old guys, than us elders. <laughs> well, they're not as wise, but, yeah, they can find things out so quickly. <laughs> but overall, you think... Phones are a good thing? Oh, yes, yes, I think so. Although we've got to make sure we still talk to each other, play games with each other, like I did with my brothers, or, or play cards. Or... Dominoes, maybe? What's that? Your go. That was Dominoes and Telephones, written by Matthew Seeger and performed by Matthew, Stuart Turner and Robert Hickson. I'm here with Matthew. Matthew, tell me about the inspiration behind this piece. We were playing dominoes, me, this man, and someone else. And then he kept looking down and looking at his phone. I wasn't sure what he was trying to do. But it turns out that his daughter was coming to pick him up. And he wanted the phone to vibrate in his pocket, but he didn't want it to make noise because it would distract other people. So he was trying to figure <laughs> out how to get it on silent. He was having a bit of trouble. And then we had a lovely conversation about the condensed milk tin and stuff like that. So, yeah, he was, he was, he's, he's a great guy. Sounds like he enjoyed the phone, or was, was it something that was stressing him out? Yeah, I found that really interesting because, obviously... I mean, he was 87, that's a much older generation, and that's something that we're all intimidated by. But what I loved particularly was that, although he acknowledged that he found it really difficult, he simultaneously was excited by its possibilities, and he found the memory of playing those games with just those materials was really fun. But it was really cool to hear that he was still excited by the idea of the technology, even though he was a bit intimidated by it. And there was another voice within this piece. Tell me about him and the man playing the game. Yeah, he was... So I've met him twice. He's always been playing dominoes. He didn't say that much, but what I loved was... It was just interesting that, that there's this, this joke among the people in the group that he almost never loses, and he almost never lost. And that little insight into him saying that he played lots at school, I thought it was just quite important to put that in because it was a bit of an insight into his life that I hadn't had up, up until that point, so that, that felt quite pleasing, I think. Mm. They all looked on his competitiveness with, with the game quite fondly as well. Yeah. Uh, so the dynamic was, was great, even with that. And there seemed to be a playfulness in the atmosphere in, in your piece and, and the room. And I think going back to the theme of, of this week's episode of games and, and play, mm -hmm. how do you think that that was as an activity? Mm -hmm. How did it play a role in, in, in their mood, do you think? Yeah, it's a good point. I think they were really enjoying the game, but actually it was more of an activity to facilitate the atmosphere among them so they were just mm. able to play this game over and over again whilst having conversations whilst having a nice time so it was sort of a, a, a backdrop to the conversation thank you matthew thank i you. am now going to talk to robert hickson who played one of the characters in this piece so robert you've been coming in to read quite a few of the roles so far in the last three episodes what's that like for you coming in having not been in the workshops and, and reading these characters well, it's a bit like being an actor. <laughs> Given a script, you do the job. But this is special because each of these little pieces is a vignette. It's a, a little story from someone's life. And it's turned into a play, which is fun. But actually what it tells you is that every person 
contains a multitude of stories. And each of these stories can illuminate both the person who tells the story and, with luck, also the listener. So you give me a piece, I look through it and react to it immediately. And that reaction to the script comes across, I hope, in the reading of it. And with this particular piece, mm. uh, Dominoes and Telephones, there's a lot of talk about a mobile phone and, yeah. and an older man coming to terms with, with this object. Yes, I think I know where you're phone. coming from. <laughs> uh, is it something you can relate to? At all? I ad- identify completely with the character I played because, uh, like him, I'm very excited by technology. I'm always thrilled to find a new technique and a, a new device but I'm absolutely hopeless at operating them. Calling a young man over and saying, please, can you show me how to make this thing work in a certain way? It's what I do all the time. And do you um, relate to that sort of sense of joy with the, with the phone as well and, the, and how far technology has come? I think for this character in this piece, mm. him talking about the stories of his past of having that tin can with the rope, and even I had used to do that as a child me because too. we didn't have mobile yes. phones either, yeah. and the joy of the landline as well. What do you think about phones today and, and how everyone has them and can do everything on them and, and is kind of on them all the time? Well, I love my phone, and it's great for all sorts of things, social activity and music, and it's like a library. You know, listening so, to podcasts. Listening to podcasts, uh, which I recommend highly to anybody <laughs> who may be listening to this. What what my character says in the in the little piece about it's very exciting to have these devices, but also we must remember to talk to each other, to meet with each other, to play with each other. Otherwise, we lose what is basically human. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Our next piece is written and performed by Jessica Alade, and it's called A Walk in the Sunshine. A 32-minute walk in the sunshine. A cup of frothy coffee. Smiling faces. Hugs with strangers. Word search. Vertical, horizontal, no diagonals. Only straightforwardness here. That's a nice big one. She was talking about the digestive biscuit. The original. An offer. A shiny, welcome disc of comfort. Familiar, crunchy goodness. In an hour, we went from Cornwall to Kennington, to Redwood Forests, on summer holidays to France. We listened to birds, swam in the cool water, wound down with a book. We went skiing in Australia, saw monkeys chilling out in Japan's hot springs. We cycled around Cuba, drank pina coladas, ate lobster on Christmas Day. Some people go nowhere. Some people are locked in by their thoughts. But we went back to 21st birthdays. Chicken and rice, slippers. We passed exams. We felt soft petals and prickly thorns. On the way out, smiling faces, hugs with new friends. On the way out, self-taught piano. On the way out, handwritten shopping lists. Banana milk, milk, fish. A quick swig of water and time to go. Time to return. And until next time, we say goodbye. A seven-minute walk in the sunshine. Light of step, full of heart. That was A Walk in the Sunshine, written by Jessica Alade and read by Jessica. I'm here with her now. Jess, tell me what the inspiration was behind your piece. 
Wow. Okay. So I had a chat with um, two really lovely people. We just sort of chatted about holidays. I don't really know how we got there, but we did. I sort of just kind of combined some of the things that they told me, the things that really, really stuck out, the amazing places that they'd been to and, and um, yeah, just the, the chats that we had really and sort of combined it and here we are. And how did you find this was your first workshop yeah. with the Doc Collective? How was it being in that room? What what was your first impression of, of being in one of these workshops? It was so much fun. It was so much fun. There was so much energy in that room, so much vitality. Something that comes up in my poem a couple of times is is smiling. And it was, it was just a room full of really smiling, happy faces and laughter. We laughed so much. So it was great and really, it was just really lovely to have a cup of tea and listen to people and um, hear a bit about their lives. In the piece you mentioned a word search at the beginning. Mm-hmm. This week we're talking about games and activities within the group and what was that like to share that activity together? For me it was really nostalgic and I love, I used to sit with my grandma all the time and, and um, she sometimes gave me word search. It's sort of like, not word searches specifically, but word games to do mm-hmm. in the summer holidays. Because we were talking about these memories there's something really beautiful about watching someone go back to a memory Mm. and you can see that they are taken back to that place and I think I was doing that with the word search (laughs) (laughs) so it's really really fun lovely to be able to share that we um we laughed so much and then we danced and I just think to move with other people is so special and the fact that we all we all did that at the end was really wonderful I had a great time I'd love to go back um, Say hello. <laughs> what, what, if you were to go back, what would you look forward to, to doing? Chatting away. <laughs> Chatting away. More digestive biscuits and more chats. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Talking of sweet treats, as it's the 21st of February on release of this episode, I've actually written a short piece with the help of the participants of the Daffodil Club who prompted me on the recipe and the meaning behind it all. And I, of course, mean Pancake Day. Recorded in the suggested style of an American cookery relic, here's three key ingredients. Performed by Thomas Judd and Kate Duchenne. Welcome to the Betty Mucker Cooking School of the Air an annual feature of a map to you live stories from the living broadcast for your internet portable online devices. Now, there's no group of people having such a hectic time as these young people scrolling the World Wide Web for recipes in preparation for Pancake Day. Do not fear, because of course, Betty Mocker has some recipes and cooking suggestions planned especially for young homemakers. So here she is. Hello, everybody. I know you want to make your friends and family proud with your cooking, and you will, when you can provide them with a really attractive meal. Today, I'm going to give you a recipe that every person ought to know how to provide for their friend. Of course, when you think of preparing a meal that will go straight to a person's heart, you think of steak, for all people seem to love steak. Especially now, we have all the meat-free options Stella McStorthy offers these days. So, I'm going to give you a recipe for a type of steak you can all manage to prepare with food supplies at a low. We call it emergency steak, and it's just as juicy and tender and appetizing as a tenderloin. 
Serve it sizzling hot straight from the pan, attractively garnished with lemon or sugar or both. No one could ask for a more delicious dinner steak. Really, everyone who has tried this emergency steak is crazy about it, and now they are calling it the pancake. Named after the practicalities of the cooking process, just using one pan. Here is the recipe perfected by me for six servings. If you're alone and have no family, friends, or partner to cook for, you could make half the recipe for yourself, or the whole recipe if you're feeling extra hungry. A heap of flour, a swig of milk, some eggs. If this seems difficult, here's a useful tip to help you out. Take yourself down to the local shopping store and buy one bottle of pancake mix. Take it home and read the instructions. If you feel like you might be cheating, add an egg to allow you to feel you know how to bake. And now I'm going to suggest a combination of toppings you can add to your pancake steak. Lemon and sugar, or just lemon, or just sugar. You could have a spoon of treacle, or golden syrup, or treacle and golden syrup. Spreadable chocolate and sliced banana is an attractive topping favored by the children. If you're wanting a savory flavor, why not try grated cheese and ham, or just great cheese, or just ham. For a special occasion, you could take a six-ounce steak as a topping and surround it with your pancake steak. Any of these are natural flavorings that complement the rich flavor of the pancake. For those of you who aren't used to cooking two or three things at once, this technique using one pan with chilled toppings is very practicalizing. And don't you think that's a wonderful way to use up your flour and eggs before Lent? Happy Pancake Day, all! Goodbye! That was three key ingredients written by me and performed by the wonderful Thomas Judd and Kate Duchenne. It was inspired by the members of the Daffodil Club when I asked them about how to make pancakes and they gave me some very direct and very clear advice of what to use to make a pancake and how I should just get the ready-made mix if all else failed. (laughs) It was incredibly direct and I very much appreciated it, which is... Uh, led me to write that piece. And that coupled with some very quick research into the old Betty Crocker there and how apparently they say on the instructions to add an egg to Betty Crocker premixes, but it isn't actually needed. It's completely unnecessary. They just want you to feel like you're actually baking, apparently. Kate, Tom and I had great fun listening to the old Betty Crocker radio shows to aid the writing and performance of this piece kind of horrified, actually, by how misogynistic that invented woman was. 
Until last week, I really thought she was just an American Nigella Lawson who was introduced in the 20s. And, you know, the name Betty was selected as it was viewed as a cheery all-American name. And it was paired with Crocker in honour of a man, William Crocker, a company director. Hmm. The ideal woman invented by men to cook for them. But apparently, Betty has adapted to the times, according to my research on the net, reflecting changes in fashions, hairstyles and, one would hope, social, political and economic currents. Moving on. Our next piece is called Acting Up and it's written by Matthew Seeger and performed by Robert Hickson and Matthew. Are you an actor? I am an actor, yes. Ah. <laughs> you seem suspicious. No, no, no. Well, when I was at high school, I put a play on stage. It was a comedy. I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, it's set in a small village in Istanbul, near Istanbul. And it's a, a, a restaurant. It was set in a restaurant. A man, a wife and his son went to the restaurant to eat. They said... Can we have something to eat? And the restaurant owner said, I have only bone soup. Bone soup? Uh-huh. Doesn't sound like that would be my first choice on the menu. Yes, bone soup. They sat down and the owner said, OK, you don't have to eat it if you don't like it, but sorry, we haven't got nothing else. They were upset. Of course they were. I would be upset if the only thing on the menu was bone soup. And so they walk away. As they're walking away, the owner says, well, you have to pay the price of the bone soup. We said we didn't want it. Well, we put it on the plate and gave it to you, and so you have to pay. So they argue for a long time. They have a big row. In the end, he pays. He smashes his hand onto the table and says, Here is your money. <laughs> that was a good play, that one. Everyone was laughing, actually. And you were still in school when you put this on? Yes, high school. And in the end, I wanted to be an actor. Because, as I said, I was interested. But my mother said, don't be an actor. Probably wise words. Yes, yes, wise words. Did she say that because it's very difficult for an actor to make any money? No, my mother did not speak like that. Oh, OK. She said, if you will be an actor, you will never have a peaceful life. Oh, right, yes, because the life is so uncertain and you're worrying about where the next job's coming from. No, no, because you will always have different women. What? <laughs> what do you mean? You will always be seeing different women. I mean, acting with different women. And so when you are married, you will never be happy. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, I've never thought of it that way before. I am really, really happy I didn't carry on. I have been married 42 years now, and I am very happy. The only other women I see are in the street, or Asda, or McDonald's, or something, and even then my wife says, what are you looking at? What do you say? I just say, I am looking at the wall. So, maybe I am still an actor in some ways. <laughs> that was Acting Up by Matthew Seeger, read by Matthew and Robert Hickson. I'm here with Matthew. Matthew, tell Hello. me a bit about acting up and where, where the inspiration came from with this piece. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone else near to this man who, who I ended up having a conversation with, and he heard me say that I was an actor, 
and he sort of made a comment about it and then we didn't speak for 10 minutes or so and then later on when there was like a lulling conversation 10 minutes later he said so you're an actor are you so he'd obviously remembered it and meant that there was something there that he really wanted to talk about and then he launched into this wonderful story about this comedy that he'd put on in school which in itself was lovely and then it turned out at the end that actually it was something that he kind of wanted to pursue so it was a more significant part of his young life than I thought when we first started having the conversation so it felt quite significant and sort of a lovely topic. Did you feel that he he wanted to be an actor and that he kind of enjoyed it? At, at first they thought he was saying that I was foolish to be pursuing it which, <laughs> which in some ways maybe maybe we are I don't well, know. He, he is wise. Yes yeah he is a wise man but yeah then then the way that he spoke about the play that he put on and how passionate he was and then when he said yeah I, I wanted to pursue it for a while made me think that actually he he really loved it and for it to be something from from school that he did made me think that it was quite a big part of his childhood. And was anyone else listening into this conversation? Were there any other reactions to the the acting profession? There was what there was one woman who was who was listening. She didn't say much, but when he said uh, talked about his mum saying don't be an actor, there was a very knowing nod as if anyone who has any sense about them knows that that is a foolish a foolish profession to pursue. <laughs> Yeah, well, here we are. Here we are, yes, thanks for listening. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Matthew. Thank you very much. I'm here now with someone who I mentioned on last week's episode who's been with the Dot Collective since we started new writing with dementia peer groups and residential care homes. It's Stuart Turner. Hello. Stuart, I just wanted... I'm going to call you Scott, actually, because it's Stuart Scott. Everyone gets a bit confused, don't they? It's very confusing, Tell us about why that is. So my birth name is Scott. But when I work professionally, my name is Stuart because my name was taken on the actor's system, which is equity. You can only have one actor with each name. And Scott uh, Scott Turner was taken. So I took my middle name, which is Stuart, and made it my first for work purposes. But I'm going to call you Scott for today. Lovely. So, Scott, you've been working with me for a long time. Um, You were very much a huge role in us getting this project off the ground in, gosh, late 2020, wasn't it? Late 2020, yeah. Uh, And also you started with me on the new writing journey back with Found in Translation. That was in 2017. Firstly, how has that experience been? The journey has, has been absolutely amazing. Obviously, starting with, you know, the very first DOT projects, which was creating work to take to the peer groups and then I just remember the birth of the idea we would perform the shows take the sets down and then just have these amazing conversations and it was at that point I think that Laurie then started noticing and talking about all of these amazing people that have these amazing stories to tell and that became just as joyous as doing the shows we would really look forward to sitting down with our participants after and actually just chatting to them and then so was born the idea that hang on a minute we need to start collating this this is mm. you know we're, we're we're taking theater in but actually we can bring theater out of there as well mm. which then led to the very first project of this kind which was found in translation and that was the first time we started to take writers and actors into the room with the aim to create something with and from those people and that in itself became an amazing experience and I think an amazing learning experience for everybody you know as with anything when you're exploring something new it was real trial and error (laughs) it was really trying so many different ways to engage with people and and engage with the groups and um, with people individually or working with whole groups to write things um, which then I think really informed when we moved on to 100 trillion which Mm. was making the work even more specific, always learning how we can respond and engage more and more each time with the groups and also how we can take away more and more stories each time. Mm. 
And then coming to this one now, it just feels so loaded and so informed. And you said earlier about, you know, trial and error and there's nothing dramatic there. But <laughs> I think definitely like how we were in the very first workshops we found in translation where we would have really specific activities to lead, to find information and almost not know what to do if, if those activities didn't go according to plan. <laughs> it was sort of... It was panic at times. Yeah, I think there's a certain level of anxiety with yeah. going to the workshop for the first time and having a bit of anxiety, not wanting to do anything. Thing wrong and and obviously that anxiety can sometimes transmit to our participants. I think the biggest thing that I've learned working with the the people that we work with and the groups that we work with is it's always amazing to have a plan, to have an idea, to have a goal. But the best way to make work is just to walk into the room just with an open mind, an open heart, and just say, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to listen. And we're going to have a great time. And I think when you do that, you get amazing work like this out of the groups. Yeah, I agree. I think to inform yourself before you go in with enough to to go in with an offering, but to allow yourself to just go with the flow. And, and, and if you, you can't give what you went in to give, then yeah. that's OK, you know. And, and I remember going in with two page workshop plans of which the first activity will probably be the entire session the conversation is just it is so powerful mm. that's that's the, the the real special thing when you can just sit down and be present with somebody and if you could give three words to what it's like to be in that room when you run a workshop or are taking part in a workshop what would those three words be joyous warm and loved what are you looking forward to next for the well, your next workshop i'm just excited to just to feel the love and joy it's just it's all we, we laugh so much yeah. with 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 our groups yes yeah, so i'm just excited about that sitting down and having a good cup of tea and a good laugh with everybody the podcast is becoming more and more about raising awareness of dementia as well and and sometimes i was asked about what is there a stigma because dementia is awful there's no doubt about it and should we really be celebrating it but the positive awareness is that every person that's been on this project so far who's come into the workshop for the first time has had a positive experience everyone keeps talking about smiles and laughter and joy and love and I think that this is something that is positive all of those things yeah. are positive and those things are things that are happening in dementia social groups and I think the point of, of this awareness side of it is to say well look this also happens yes it's challenging yes we know that but there are ways to create positive experiences and just because the disease is negative and horrible it doesn't mean that we have to have horrible a horrible and negative time these social groups are the positive awareness I guess thanks Scott for coming and, and talking to me and uh, I look forward to what's next with you now it's time for our last piece of the episode this is another piece that I wrote with the Daffodil Cafe uh, with a couple of people when we had some flowers on the table and a lady told me about my own name. This is called Flower for a Puzzle and is performed by Kate Duchenne, Thomas Judd and myself. Freesias and Carnations. What's your favourite flower? What's your name? Laura. That's a flower. Is it? Yes. Laurel, you're a plant. Am I? Yes, a bay laurel plant. I see. Do you? Do you know who you are? <laughs> uh, sometimes I think I do. Look, you have strong arms because you are Laura. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Victory and strength. That's what it stands for. Oh, I 
Don't think I ever knew. Well, there you go. I'll have to look it up. Yes, look it up. Now? Yes, look it up now. I like carnations and freesias. Anyway, that's my favourite. Right. I'll look it up. Of course I'm right. I know what it is. Laura is a girl's name from Latin. Laurel plant, inspired by the leafy garlands worn by ancient Roman victors. Yes, and also victory and strength. You forgot that bit. Yes, and victory and strength, I was going to say. But it comes from the Latin. Most things do. Hang on. Yes, here we go. The name Laura is the feminised Latin for bay laurel plant. Told you. It was used as a symbol of victory, honour or fame. The name represents the embodiment of victory and strength. Well, you've taught me something about myself. There you go. Yes, well, you should know that. (laughs) Then it also says the name Daphne, derived from ancient Greek, carries the same meaning. Oh, I know Daphne. I like carnations. Those I like. You find them everywhere. Everybody likes them. I like red ones best. Everyone loves flowers. I don't know why. Especially when you're young lovers. My mum used to grow them. Carnations look so lovely. Red, yellow and white flowers in the garden. You should have flowers when it's your first date, when it's your birthday, when you get married and when you die. (laughs) Is that right? Yes. These are the important times. For me, a carnation or a freesia each time. It's been good so far. I'm really pleased with my life, (laughs) my daughter and my grandchildren. Because, you know, they bring me flowers each time they see me, so they're getting it right, life. (laughs) (laughs) They know what's best. (laughs) Sounds like you taught them well. Yes, of course. What about you? Do you take flowers to your mum? Uh, I I do, but probably not often enough. Take her some today. Oh. No, 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 you must. Take her one now. Take her a plant or a carnation. Now? Yes. Go. Go uh, and buy some red, yellow and white flowers from across the road and find your mum and give them to her and say, thank you for making me so strong and giving me this name. <laughs> OK. Anyway, yes. Freesia or carnation is best. I prefer a puzzle over a flower any day. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode inspired by music and back with our friends at the Daffodil Club. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more about the Dot Collective or know more, please do look at the show notes. You can go to thedotcollective.com. Read all about us. Uh, If you'd like to make a donation, if you're able to, you can follow the donation link on the website. And if you want to help us in other ways, support us, just do share this podcast, put it on your social media, get people to listen. Have a good week and happy Pancake Day. I'm going to get flipping now. (laughs) 